Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. Every day on the I Work For Him show, it's our desire to challenge the way you think about your faith and work. And today, today we're taking it to a whole nother level. We've got Pastor Jeff Parrish from First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks joining us today to talk about a, a sermon series that he just finished a couple of weeks ago called work. What an incredible sermon series it was. And I brought Jeff on today in order to inspire pastors all over Tampa Bay to do the same thing. We need to inspire our pastors to let them know, hey, we need to be equipped to go into our workplace with our faith. And Jeff's sermon series did just that. Welcome to the Our Work For Him show, Pastor Jeff Parrish. Yeah, it's great to be here. Now, I won't call you pastor anymore. I know you'd rather not be, but I want to make, you know, people need to know. Mm-hmm. You've got an incredible time. I won't call you Dr. Jeff Parrish either, <laughs> even though you deserve that too. <laughs> All right, I wanted, one of the uh, verses of scripture that you highlighted in the sermon series was Colossians three twenty three and 24. And it says, this is the New Living Translation, one of my new favorites, pretty easy to understand. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. And really, Jeff, doesn't that summarize, that's the attitude we should take in with us each and every day when we go to work. 
Exactly. That's why I used that. Uh, it was a six-week series that I did, and I used that verse in the introduction every week. In fact, I used it so much, I think people had memorized it because I'd repeated it so many times. Good. Yeah. That's a good thing. Because it's whatever you do. It's uh, Therefore, it can it can, it can can go across across board, whether it's volunteer work, whether it's a work at a job, or if it's a, if it's a stay-at-home parent. If it's whatever it is, whatever you work, work at it heartily. That is, with your heart, because you're his. I liked I liked the version that we had to memorize in Crown Financial Ministries because it said, "Do your work heartily as to the Lord, for it is." The, and then they summarized the the whole reward thing, and it says, "For it is the Lord Christ you are serving." Mm-hmm. Now this generation understands the word Lord a little bit better than maybe the last couple hundred years in the United States because we don't have any lords here. But then you know, going back into Europe, they understand what lords are. But everybody's watched the Star Wars series, and I always joke, you know, when Lord Vader walked in, <laughs> did anybody not do what he said? to do no everybody did exactly what lord vader did and we serve a lord who died on the cross for us who is is overflowing in grace and in mercy why wouldn't we do what he says i mean how incredible that and so i just try to draw that picture i mean okay we serve an incredibly gracious god and and but people would do whatever Lord Vader would say. You know, why, why do we not do whatever Lord Jesus Christ says to do? And he says, do your work heartily. Okay. As a, just as a preface for where we're going with the conversation today, I want people to know, you know, you're not the typical Christian guy. You know, you grew up in church, mm-hmm. yet it had, it had no impact on you until you were 21. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you didn't come to Christ until you were an adult. Talk about how that, how, how God drew you to himself, but how you went to church each and every day, but still ended up not being a Christ follower. You know, it was. Uh, I, I grew up in in Tennessee, and at the time I grew up, it was it was a cultural thing. Church was a cultural thing. Everybody went to church, and and I went along with everybody, or along with everybody else, and went through everything. And you know, when I look back on it, the church that I attended, there was so much focus on the denomination. There was so much focus on the rules you were supposed to keep, and the and the you know the all the little classes you went through and everything to where it, it I don't remember the gospel of grace being shared and so um, so I I got disillusioned with it because there was a there was a, a big church fight in the middle of it and I just was I was I'd like just had it and so I kind of walked away from it and uh, and but I was I was never a believer and and again I always like to be honest and and I always like to be fair that uh, I could have not been listening you know, I, they, they may have been sharing it. I just wasn't listening. So it's probably a little bit of a combination of both uh, when you when you look at it that way. But you had a friend who encouraged you to come back into church. And through that friend, you then gave your life to Christ at 21. And really, your life started then. That's is that when you got into Bible school and then went on to seminary? I mean, yeah, it was an interesting thing. I um, it was a girl in high school that I'd known years before who was a believer and she lived her belief, and, and she ran into me. Somebody invited me to some church program, a Christmas program, and I ran into her, and uh, she invited me to go to church with her. And um, and I went, and I began to hear. It was at a time in my life I began to really hear God's message, and I, I put my faith and trust in him. I'd been playing college football at the time, and I'd had three surgeries, and so I couldn't play anymore. And so as soon as I became a believer, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes picked up on my story and, and what had happened to me. And so I started going around to the public high schools there in Memphis, Tennessee, and sharing my, my testimony and sharing how I became a believer and not to put all of your eggs in the basket of, of football, 
because it can be gone so quickly. And so um, that is how I got into ministry. I, I just really fell in love with uh, with kids and especially athletic type kids because that's what FCA was. And so that's kind of how I began in uh, in ministry. But yes, I did not become a believer till I was 21. It's it's incredible because there's a lot of people today, and, and we were talking before the show. Living in Minnesota, where you know people still go to church there too, culturally, it's mm-hmm. one of those things they do, and it's amazing how how many churches in America today you can go to church and maybe not even hear the truth, whether you, whether the truth was being taught at your church or not. I've been to many churches where the truth about Jesus Christ was never taught. Right. Yet God still has a way of reaching out to us, and He reached out to you. You got to the end of your rope. He sent just the right person to your life. And, and and he got your attention, which is fantastic. Yes, he did. So so fast forward that 30 plus years. How's Christ working in your life today? You're a pastor of a big church. You got a lot of responsibilities. You, you got to preach every week. And, and a lot of people think, well, if you're a pastor, good grief, your life with Christ must just be super easy because you're studying all the time. It just be a piece of cake. But I know the truth of that is not the truth. He's still going to be very diligent about your prayer life. You're your, your studying the Bible, not just to preach. How's Christ making an impact on your life today? Well, that's been the the most amazing thing because when He changed my life, it was a it was a it was a an amazing turnaround type change, and and so it has never it has never stopped. Uh, Reading the scripture still fascinates me, even though I've been through all the school I've been through and been, you know, been been in church work and been a pastor all these years. It still it still excites me to see what God's word teaches us and uh, and what God's word teaches me. And so uh, and so, again, with our culture, let's just face it, it's becoming it's, it's becoming darker. Uh, the, the prayer for me is, Lord, if it is becoming darker, then we have the opportunity uh, to be a light in that. And so where he's just been dealing with me is, is through this series, a lot of with this series, is uh, is what does it mean to be a light and what does that look like? That's what he's been and is still right now is dealing with me personally as I as I look at that and making sure that I don't I don't I don't give in and bow down to the culture or just adapt to the culture as it becomes darker. Make sure I don't, you know, you know, not not shine as bright because the t- culture is getting darker. And the culture, the pressure from the culture is amping up. It seems like exponential. Certainly, in the last six years, it's been exponential. Uh, but I think we got a lot more coming at us. I mean, I, I, as as you have said from the pulpit, and I believe it wholeheartedly. There's going to be a time when people who call themselves Christians will no longer do that just out of convenience. The people that call themselves Christians are going to be true Christ followers. And and there's going to be a culling in the church because the pressure to not be a Christ follower is going to be pretty significant. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where our culture is going. And, you know, I think, too, it's it's a it's a to me is it's refreshing in ways. Uh, because I remember being in the Bible Belt and where everybody would have called themselves a Christian. But these days it's getting to where if you call yourself a Christian, you probably are one because it's not a cultural thing anymore just to say that you are one, like I'm a Floridian, I'm a Tennessean. And so sometimes when you bump into people, when they, when they, when you know they're a believer, they are one. And it's not just a name you go by anymore. But see, I think it's more Florida. I think it's more Tampa Bay. It's, this is a very black and white culture. People are either all in for God or they're not. This is the I mean, truth. People, people here would never say, well, I'm a Christian just because they want to impress you. Right. It's not going to happen <laughs> because the culture is still way behind us in a good way in the Midwest. West and in, 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 in the upper Midwest where I'm from, I think it's just very much here. People come here, they're, they're either all in for Jesus or they're not. They're not. And that's, that presents a lot more opportunities because now the light and the darkness becomes much more stark. Right. And 
as you said, you made the comment about this this friend of yours who happened to be a girl, but it didn't happen to be your future wife. No. She she lived her faith, and you knew there was something different about her. There was nothing about rules and regulations with her. It wasn't religion for her. It was a relationship. You knew that already. You, can, mm-hmm. you knew it was different. So you knew when she approached you, you're like, well, if there's ever been one person that was ever real, it was her. Right. That right. speaks loudly. And the other thing, too, to remember about that, and for everybody to remember, uh, she, was, she was Christ in front of me uh, in high school. And I basically just just blew her off i mean not not anything mean but i just was like well that's you know it's just her and uh but remember this uh, three years later it boomeranged around and what she did three years before was what made the difference at that moment because when she asked me to go to church i i, I said yes i'll go with you uh because of who she'd been she actually lived what she said she believed and and so she had the respect of so many and had my respect and so i said yeah you know i'll go with you and it was at a time in my life where where i think i had ears to hear where i didn't have ears to hear before but it is all that is is such a great example that you use that because I, i tell people in the workplace all the time if you live a consistent life in christ you may not get an opportunity to share the gospel but when somebody gets to a spot in their life where they're getting to the end of the rope or something drastic has happened you're the first person they're going to come to and they say hey would you pray for me mm-hmm. and then you're gonna go well, why would you ask me to pray for you because i know you pray i mean people <laughs> I, it, it, the people come out of the walls that's right when when disaster strikes hey today we're talking with pastor jeff parish from first Baptist Church of Indian Rocks. And I want to just tell people that because a lot of people don't know who's always on my show. And if you're just tuning in now, it's really important that you hear that because Jeff, you, you chose to preach a six week series on work and you hit all of the high topics. I, I, I loved it. What made you preach this sermon? Well, it had it, it come to me in, in, in just in my own heart. And then obviously talking uh, some with you too, Jim, but I, I, I begin to realize we we talk about being a light and we talk uh, and as you know, our church does a whole lot missionally uh, in so many different places. And then when you begin to truly think in the culture now in which we live, uh, the, the greatest mission field is is the workplace in our country. And it is the opportunity that believers have the most chance of uh, of seeing that their that their job has a purpose. God has a purpose for them being there, and and that they are to be the light and maybe the only light at the particular workplace that they that they have. So that was kind of a drive inside of me uh, to let people know because I think some people glamorize like being in the ministry, and in one of my first statements was that you are if you're a believer you are in the ministry Amen. and he has put you he has put you at that place for a purpose and uh and they kind of have this thought of um that if I'm in the ministry on church staff or maybe a missionary somewhere in another country but uh but we have to start looking that we are the missionary at that workplace that and then when you see that you will look at everybody differently and I got to tell you, I you know I grew up in the church. I gave my life to Christ really as a thirteen year old. Started walking with the Lord, and I was thirty seven, thirty almost forty years old when I realized that my workplace was was the ministry that I'd always been called to. When when Martha and I were both my wife Martha, not your wife Martha. When my wife Martha and I were thirteen years old, right after we turned thirteen, we were both at the same youth conference in nineteen seventy nine in San Diego, California. And on July the thirteenth, Friday the thirteenth, nineteen seventy nine, we both made the commitment to full time Christian ministry. And at that point in time, both of our minds were going towards 
paid church staff ministry. Mm-hmm. And and the minute we got married, the minute I was done with my two year my four year degree, I enrolled at Bethel Seminary in St. Paul. I was going to be a youth pastor. It's what I wanted to do. And and God sent the senior pastor of our church and said, Jim, we just don't really think you could handle having four hundred bosses. Now you know me well enough to know <laughs> he was right on the money. And he goes, Jim, you just need to be a, a lay worker. That's what they call lay worker. And, and the same thing happened about five or six years later. I enrolled in seminary again. The youth pastor was getting fired from the church we were in at that point in time. And I want, Martha and I were doing the job for free. I said, well, I might as well get paid to do it. And the senior pastor and his wife came to our church, our house and said, Jim, we really don't think you're cut out to have 400 bosses. You should just be a volunteer. But neither of them ever told me, I never ever got taught, that my ministry was my workplace. We own an insurance agency. I had 1,500 clients. I was doing ministry with them, but nobody had ever connected the dots for me. And that's what you did on with your sermon series. You connected the dots for people to help them understand that their workplace is their mission field, whether they're the boss or the employee. That's what it was so significant. And people need to hear it all the time. And, and that's what drives my passion here, because after I found it out, after I got these devotionals in uh, 2006 about my workplace being connected to my faith, I'm like, Wow. That shift in my paradigm, it's never been the same. So it's, it's powerful. All right, it's time now for our book highlight segment, brought to you, of course, by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Today we're giving away a copy of, I just, my voice just cracked, Andrea. A co- I'm just 15, I guess. A, a copy of Jeff Parrish's six-week series on work so that you can listen to it, pass it on to other people. It'd be an encouragement. In these six weeks, he highlights, who do you work for? Well, he forgot the part. Really? Work ethics. A word for the boss, a word for the employee, God's design for rest, for rest, and being a light in the workplace. And we've talked about those things all in the show here, but Jeff did a great job in summarizing them all in a sermon series potential and shoving all kinds of great scriptures all around him, supporting his his, uh, his series with it. you got to get a copy of this this sermon series called Work. Call into the studio line now, 855-265-2929. And remember... You need to get this sermon series. It's already on video. All right, we're back live and in studio with Pastor Jeff Parrish from First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks on Ulmerton Road in Largo. Jeff just preached a sermon series, just finished a couple weeks ago, on work. And Jeff, as you uh, thought about, you only had six weeks. You do a lot of six-week series because I know people get have a short attention span, so you, you know, I don't want to keep something too long. Although every summer you pick a Bible character and you do it for like 10 weeks, so people can hold us an attention span for 10 weeks. Um why, you know, th- where did you come up with the outline? I mean, you, you, you had so much to choose from. You know, you came to me and said, hey, Jim, give me some book recommendations. And I had to be really conservative. I only recommended a couple, but I had 70 to recommend to you. Um, and since then, I found two fantastic websites. I'll bring those up. Theologyofwork.org and theologyofbusiness.com. Super. Theology of Work has the the faith and work references from the entire scriptures, how our faith applies to our work in the entire Bible been done by eight scholars over the last 10 years, theologyofwork.org and uh, the uh, theologyofbusiness.com. Jeff, where'd you come up with the outline? I, a lot of it was looking through material, some of the material you gave me and looking online and, and, and going back to some of uh, some pastors, some friends who, uh, but I, I'm after have to tell you that you're right there are just not many that do uh that do these type series just on on work and so uh but 
most of them I just came up with the thought of of just what is work and then and then it hit me with the employee employer relationship and what the scriptures teach on that and then obviously being a light so a lot of it was was just myself you said that you know a lot of pastors don't preach sermons series on work why do you think that is that pastors shy away from from talking about the workplace being a mission field you know I I think to be honest I think that a lot of them just don't think about it they don't think about that the workplace is a mission field uh, because if if you thought about it, then you would know that that's what you need to talk about because that is where that is where the mission field really is. You know, I I think that more of them because because very few do. Uh, I think you know there are references within messages. I think the other part of it too is is that they they teach people to be a light, and they think that uh, they think that 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 that's in everywhere you go, whatever you do. But I have found in doing in the series, the one of the big differences that I found is that people people don't see it that way. People in your church don't see their work as a mission field. And it, that's what dawned on me most through this series is the feedback that I got from people saying, I know I never saw it that way. They almost saw it as if, OK, work is a necessary evil I have to do so that I can go volunteer at the church or do ministry at the church. And to get them on that page of that is uh, is is huge because it makes them look at their their whole their whole work experience, their whole work time as being valuable as opposed to just getting through it. Absolutely, and, and it's and it's. I just want to use it's the connect the dots. You're ta- you, you've always taught people to be a light wherever you go. Every Christmas Eve service, that's all you talk about is light and us being a light in a dark world. And, and you give the greatest visual demonstration of that. Every Christmas Eve, anybody that's never been to a Christmas Eve service at First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks, you got to go because we have a big auditorium. And when the auditorium is black and then one candle is lit, you can see stuff. And then all of a sudden, when everybody lights their candles, it's brighter than when the lights are on in the in the room. And that's really about what what the our impact on society. Mm-hmm. So, but you have to connect the dots for people, because I will tell you, I grew up in a church where people said, Jim, it's great that you're in business. Please write us a check. Come be on a board. Uh, help us on a building committee. That's what we want. And volunteer, youth ministry, whatever. But But nobody ever said... That when I left the church, I was going out in my mission field. In fact, there are some missionaries that are offended by us saying that. Just so you know, they 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 go, well, business that's more ministry and mission fields when you go on the foreign mission field. And it's you know the mission field where I consider your workplace mission field because we're going places where there's a lot of unbelievers. Exactly. And it's and in Tampa Bay, there's a plethora of them. You know, as Pastor Charlie used to say, you know, if every church pew in all of Tampa Bay were full, there'd still be seventy percent of the people would never get a seat, right? And they're not full, so it's a it's a big deal. So I appreciate that you connected the dots. My encouragement to you is keep connecting those dots because people really need to hear it. You just you're in the sermon series about Daniel, and you keep referencing back to that because Daniel's a great example of a light in the workplace. That and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it, I mean those guys lived their faith in their workplace, and they were basically like mayors and they were like governors, and they had to, they, and they paid for their for their allegiance to Christ. It was an amazing thing. So just just keep doing it. All right, so let's talk through your outline because you had some really great stuff to say to people, and I want people to hear some of the practical stuff. 
because it's not everybody's going to hear the sermon. And again, this outline, I can make it available. I'm sure Jeff would make it available to your pastor. Just email me, Jim at I work for him.com and I'll send it to you. I'll send you, I'll, I'll get you the outline so you can get it to your pastor. All right. So you start off the series and, and honestly, I was very disappointed that you didn't use the beginning of my show. I just got to tell you that because, <laughs> because you named the ser- the first series, the first sermon, who do you work for? And really, wouldn't it really? I mean, you should be able to put that on a little button. You, who do you work for? Really? I mean, that's, that's what we do. So why did you come up with that? Why did you why did you ask that question? That's the foundation. That's the foundation in all that we do. And that's where that Colossians first uh, uh, was the foundation is that when you begin to see that um, that that you're working in the way that you work, uh, God makes it very plain is that you work, you work for him because you are a representative of who he is. And so if you understand, I remember I, I, I use this illustration in the uh in, in the first message uh, with Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, and she had a little a little plaque up above her her well, sink. The, yeah, the sink, the kitchen and, sink. Yes, uh-huh. and she said worship services held here three times a day. So what she was referring to was doing dishes, and so she saw that the work that she did as doing dishes was was in worshiping or in serving the Lord. Therefore, the work that you do, uh, if you see it is for Him, you work as unto the Lord and not for men. That that makes your perspective totally different and motivation totally different different in why you do what you do. And that's that paradigm shift we're talking about. And I think the Romans 12, 2 talks about changing the way we think. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Because that's really what... You know, it's for me, it was that radical of a paradigm shift. When I started getting these these emails from Oz Hillman on that, my faith applied to my workplace. I'm like, really? Ooh, I've done some horribly embarrassing things because I, I had an, an all man fashion segment in my life. I've got my church life and my work life, and they didn't necessarily overlap very often. Right. Uh, now, when when I was outside of work and my employees needed something, I had no problem serving my people. But when I was doing work, I was just charging because nobody had ever said, wow, do this for Christ. Mm-hmm. It should have clicked off in my head, but I just needed somebody to connect the dots for me. So that that's great. All right. So the next the next uh, sermon you did was on or the next uh, yeah sermon you did was on work ethics. You you made a comment in there. Things to learn when you compromise, you lose the potential of God working mightily in your life. What do you mean by that? Mightily, I love the word mightily. Yeah, because it's the it's the testimony and the manner that you work, and then the things that you uphold. Uh, not just not just if it's legal or not. It's not whether we can get away with it or not. It's it is is it right and is it bring Christ a good name because you are working for him. Therefore we do what we do because of who he is. Therefore you see these messages build on top of one another. Therefore who do you work for? And if you do work for him, then the way you're going to work ethically is going to look totally different than it would if you're working for yourself or working for, you know, prosperity or whatever else it is. And so and so therefore if you are are a representative of who he is, then then the ethically, obviously our our world ethically is 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 deteriorating. And to me, one of the greatest ways to be a light is to is to be ethically ethically right, not just legally right, but ethically right. You also touched on integrity in that message. Just talk about because I mean, that's something that people 
don't really understand the meaning of integrity. They think, well, integrity for you may be different than integrity for me, but it's really powerful. The word integrity, like the definition of integrity. Mm-hmm. It, it, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it, it, it's, an, it's really an incredible word. It's, uh, it basically means it is what it says it is. And, and you know, I looked up some of the words in the scriptures about that, and it, it has to do, believe it or not, it has to do with pottery and uh, this word that we get uh, in the scriptures from it. And that when and what they would do is that the pottery would be put in a kiln and heated, and the pottery that wasn't made well would crack. Well, the, so dis- the crack pot. Yeah, crack pot. There you go. <laughs> and then uh, and then what would do, some of the dishonest merchants would fill it in with wax and paint over it. To make it look like it was a, it was a good piece of pottery, and so uh, and so what happened is you could you could hold it up to the light though, and the light would expose the cracks. So therefore, they said that pot didn't have integrity. Therefore, the pot that you held up to the light and it was it was full, then it it had integrity. It was you were selling it for what it was. The other one lacked integrity. It's a it's a in fact you even use that now in hulls of ships. If the if the ship's hull integrity is compromised that means there's a crack there's something happening there that's where we get that word from it's a powerful word then therefore are we representing what it truly is it's a powerful thing to think about that's it is a powerful thing your next week you went to a word for the boss you start off with the boss the leader in the organization before you had the word for the employee the next week why did you decide to chase after the boss first I thought we would start because because authority is a huge deal. If you read the scriptures, the authority is 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 taught in a, in a big way. In fact, God takes it personally when we uh, when we are not underneath and rebel against authority. And therefore, it, the person that is in charge, the person that has the authority, I wanted to talk to them first because they they are in a place because the scripture says you make sure that you treat fairly those that are underneath you because remember you have a boss, a lord, a master in heaven. Therefore, you treat them the same way your father treats you. Treat them fairly, sometimes sometimes toughly, but fairly, and, uh, and in different ways. So I talk to the boss because that is the one that has people underneath them. And, and, and what does it look like to be um, what does it look like to be a godly boss? And that whole, that whole concept of then, of, of then governing those that are underneath you, because you know that you are reporting to someone uh, that is over you how of how you have managed those that are underneath you. Therefore, they are your they are your ministry. They are who they are who God has put underneath you. I think it's a I think it's a powerful responsibility that God holds accountable people who have a whole lot of people underneath them. Like with David, you know, with the king, David was one of the greatest pictures of what I call godly leadership. Just simply because, other than a few exceptions, he stayed pretty solid. He stayed pretty solid uh, with understanding that he was accountable to who the Lord was, even though he had absolute authority in his country. Yeah, and he was one of the most, at the time when he was reigning, he was one of the most powerful nations in the world at that point in time. So... But really, what what I loved what you put one of your things to learn at the end of that sermon was remember that the people who work for you are a stewardship for which you are accountable. Now you just you, you just hinted at that, but that's something a lot of people who run businesses think they're not accountable to anybody. Right. That's powerful. The word stewardship 
has a lot of meaning to that. How do you help the average business owner out there today or the business leader understand that word stewardship? Steward. The word the word steward or, or stewardship, especially a biblical concept, comes from that time. Usually a steward was a, was basically an accountant who who oversaw the property that belonged to someone else. And therefore when you and therefore you are accountable to the one that owns them with how this is managed. Therefore, uh, when you take a look at who God is in our lives, when you take a look at those that are underneath you, you take a look at your own children. God has put you in authority of your children. Therefore, you are you are accountable to God of how you shepherd those children, just like you are accountable to God with how you treat those who are underneath you. And it's a again, it, the, I know I use the word a lot, but it's a powerful when you start looking at these. This series just started building on itself. And it became even more powerful to me as I went through it. Not because I did it, but because it's it's God's word, and and I began to it began to dawn on me. The light began to shine of just just how powerful concepts these are in a, in something that we spend the majority of our time doing, which is work. And therefore, if 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 He's not God of your work life, if He's not Lord of your work life, then you've just excluded Him from a whole lot of your life. Well, really, the question is, if He's not Lord of your work life, is He really your Lord? Yeah, I mean, because you know, it, it used to be in, in my mind the first thing I, you know, they, they talked about the Roman soldiers after they gave their lives to Christ when they went to go get baptized, they'd hold their sword above the water, you know. And today we hold our wallets above the water, but really, because we're just now learning this generation to connect our faith to our workplace, a lot of us held our our wallets and our workplace out of there. So it didn't leave much for the Lord to be Lord over. Right. Because exactly. we work 12 and 14 hour days. So what, what what's left? Exactly. You know, sleep. So that's that's why this connecting the dots, Jeff, was so very, very powerful. Then you went on to a sermon on a word for the employee. And this is something where it goes right along with what you hear at the end of my show, but where what I challenge people to join the I Work For Him Nation. But you, you put this, how we do our work reflects a great deal on our faith in Christ. Talk about that. Because if you, again, if you work for him and you are a representation of, of who he is, then how you do your job will be a reflection of who the Lord is in your life. And therefore, therefore, it ought to be done, as the scripture would say, with all of your heart, throwing everything you have into it and doing the best work you can do, not just seeing how little you can get by with or blowing time or, or, or wasting things because uh, that is not who the Lord. I think we're held accountable. Uh, I made that. I made the statement or I made that look of it is that when somebody employs you, they basically buy your time and they buy your talents. They buy everything about you for that period of time. For that there. period of time. And therefore, you have to look at it this way. Therefore, if you are, are, are doing less than best, if you're doing slipshod, if you're loafing, if you're doing whatever you're doing, you're stealing. You're stealing from them. That becomes the great picture of what that is. It's, again, I use the word again, but it's a powerful thing to think about when we see. So, because so many, as you've already said, so many have separated their work life from their spiritual life. And, and they don't see that it's a reflection uh, on who the Lord is. What, what I think is powerful is that, and I, and I think you said it in the last sermon, but and this is something I say on the air all the time, is as a Christ-following employee, you should be the best employee 
of all of them. Exactly. Everything about, because your life has been impacted by Christ, everything about you should be changing. And you should be the best and brightest example because you should be, you're working for the Lord. Everything about you, you're going to be held accountable. You love that word, accountable. Not only to your earthly boss, but your heavenly father. And that's how we get opportunities. Who, who it is you really work for. Really. <laughs> who do you really? work for? <laughs> really? That's right. Oh, you only did the really part. Oh, I thought you could do all day. Okay. Who do you work for? Really? Okay, okay. All right. So, all right, Jeff, your last two sermons, one of them was on rest. We're talking about work. Why are you talking about rest? You know, it's a it's an amazing thing. When I was looking and putting all this together, I, I, I just stumbled across the thought of, of the whole idea of rest and how God devoted, uh, you know, an entire commandment for rest because of the tendency we would have then to just let it all be work. And anyone who works all the time loses focus on other priorities that are in their life, usually the, the greatest priority, which is, which is who the Lord is. And, and you know, it's a, I found myself, as I was putting that message together, I found myself really it, it, being, it being, being a difficult thing to share because people have a tendency to go one way or another. Uh, a lot of people have a tendency to overwork. They need the message of rest. That'd be one of those. And but there are also some of those who, who if you would if you would let them that that rest would get out of focus and it turn into laziness. So you have this you have this extreme on either end, and and you don't want to go into either extreme. But I tried to stay mainly with the whole subject of you need a break, you need time off, you need time to refocus, you need time to recharge, and if you don't, it will catch up with you either your health, your family, or some other way. Now I missed that sermon series. I had to listen to it archive, and I don't remember if you said this, but this is something that I learned as I studied the scriptures. You know, Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day, and the next day. To show the priority of how we're supposed to do things, the next day was rest. Exactly. So God's priority is that we rest because that's how we get refreshed. But six days for work, which God had just worked. He created Adam and Eve. He didn't put them right to work. First, he taught them about rest. Then he taught them about work. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we really need to learn because rest, if you don't rest, you'll never get refreshed. And I I had an, an author on here about a year ago, and she wrote a book on the Sabbath rest and how her family observed it. And it's been a powerful discipline. It, it's a powerful discipline for anybody. And it's tough for you because you work on Sunday. So you have to find a rest day on another day of the week. And I'm sure that's really easy being a pastor. No, very easy. All right. Your fa- your last sermon was on being a light in the workplace. Now that may seem like, well, of course, but what was you, you made a comment and I want to find the, I want to find the things to learn. And as I got to get that, sorry, my hands are sick with the people that with the people at work, he may be the only light they ever see, which is something I say on my show. But what was your what were you trying to convince people in that, that last sermon series on being light at workplace? Well, again, it was it was like you said earlier, it was connecting, getting them to connect the dots. And because like I, I had some people come to me and say, you know, Jeff, I just I need to find another place to work because it's it's just so it's just so godless, so dark at my at, at my workplace. And that's when I try to tell them, you know, well, where is light most needed? Light is not most needed in a place where there's already light. Light is most needed where it's it's dark and the workplace is, is where it is. And so I connecting the dots, when you when you start looking at the people around you and seeing that God has placed you there 
to be a light to them, you'll start praying for them. You'll look at them different. And then as I do, as I do, when I pray for somebody, when they act up or act wrong, I'll say inside of myself, boy, they just need the Lord. As opposed to, I can't stand that person. (laughs) I say that all the time. Driving down Elmerton, that person needs Jesus. There's no question. All right, we're coming to the end of another I Work For Him show, and here's my challenge today. I'm asking you to consider joining the I Work For Him nation and making your commitment to being a light in your workplace. I'm looking for a 1,000 people to step up right now and go onto the I Work For Him website and click on Contact Us and say, this is what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to start praying for my coworkers and employees by name each and every every day and looking for ways to befriend them outside of the workplace, but also to look for ways to serve them inside of the workplace, but all along looking for opportunities to pray with them on those days when their countenance has changed and you see that they're just down. You can say, Hey, what's up? Hey, can I pray with you about that? It's incredible, but you got to be ready and you need to be in prayer for that person long before that happens. But in that midst of all of those things, being the best and brightest example of an employee, that your employer can ever imagine. You are the number one employee in your position. Go on to the I Work For Him website, click on Contact Us, and say, I want to be a part of the I Work For Him nation. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him. 